Yes. I told my wife to bring me a ninja sword. She brought me a lightsaber. That's all right, she's a woman. But this is even cooler, because I'd have to go, shh. If it was a ninja sword, now I can go, You'll see why I've got this in just a second. Yes. Yes. Huh? <laughs> we might be here for a while. <laughs> this morning I've got a message and I'm excited to bring it. I'm actually really excited for the next several weeks and like I say, I've said it time and time before, you know, a lot of times we, uh, we, we get in a little lull or whatever, but I want to tell you something right now. If you've ever hit the streets, inviting people, talking to people, telling them, hey, look, you've got to come hear what the pastor's saying, and I'm telling you, it's not going to be because you see what, it, I can't even hardly talk. It's not going to be because, you know, I can get it all down. You know, it's not going to be because I'm tweaking my words. It's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, it's because we're going to get deep in the Word of God. You'll get some answers to some of life's questions. And I want to tell you right now, if you've got some believers that's around you right now, I want you to get with them after service. I want you to talk to them. I want you to say, okay, what are you doing in your life to, to infiltrate enemy lines? What are you doing in your life to get, to get in next to someone, to develop a relationship with someone so that you might help them to come out of darkness and into the light? You see, what God has called us to do, and we talk about it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You remember a couple weeks ago that I talked to you about the blood of Christ. It might have been last week, but I talked to you about the blood of Christ that, that Paul's, not the blood of Christ, I'm sorry, but the blood of the people. Paul said, I am free of all of your blood. I am pure of your blood because I did not, I preached the whole counsel of you. I didn't, I didn't withhold anything. I preached the whole counsel. And I talked to you about how that is me and that is you because we've all been called as ambassadors for Christ, meaning that we are Christ's representatives here. We are now who Christ was when he was here, and everybody says, well, Jesus died for our sins, you know, sir. But think about the, the, the circumstances surrounding Jesus Christ dying for our sins. You see, Jesus Christ was in a foreign land. He was in the world, but not of the world. He, he even said, you know, he said, if, if, if my kingdom was of this world, then my men would fight for me, but my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. You see, if we're Christians, then that, all that means is that we're little Christ. And we've been reborn into the, into the family of God. We are now little Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. And now we are like Jesus, and we have been dropped in behind enemy lines. We're at war. We are at war, and you have been handed a sword. You have been given weaponry. If you know Jesus Christ, you have been given weaponry that you are to go and use in order to do battle with the enemy. Now, there's a lot of questions surrounding all of this. But who is the enemy? What, you know, how do I do that? We're going to look at some of that stuff this morning. But I started telling you this a little introduction just to the series, not the sermon itself. But this is a little introduction because what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to talk to some people. I want you to talk to other believers who have been out of church for a little while. I want you to talk to those that, that are not believers. And I want you to say, look, can you come and, and sit in with me at church this way? I know you've got a lot to do, but, but you know, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. Maybe you say, the band, I don't care how you get them here. Bring them here. You know, tell them you're going to a concert. And they show up and they're like, what? You know? Well, this is a concert. This is a Jesus worshiping concert. You know, bring them in. I don't care how you get them here. You know, Paul said, I, can, I became all things to all people so that I might win something. 
We got to go. We got to go. We got to get. We got to get some people in. We got to get some people. So go and be who you are. Go to war. Go in there. Talk to them. Get them here. Because I'm telling you right now, the word of God goes forward. And look, my sword got in my way. Thank you. Get them in here, and uh, let's get the word of God out there. And if they won't come, then you know that even if they do come, you've got to be the word of God too. And we talked about, I can't, I can't reach everyone. It's me and you. So you've got to go into your zone. You've got to go into your battlefield, and you've got to wait for yourself, okay? I've got this for a reason right here, and I'm going to show you in just a second. And I wasn't planning on holding it like this, but I just thought it was cool, so I'm going to do it like this. Let's pray before we get started, then we're going to get into the Word of God, okay? Jesus, I thank you right now for the sword, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And though uh, this is kind of just a, a joke right here with the sword on my side, it's really not. Because we are, we are to be ready in season and out. We are to be workmen approved by God that can rightly divide the Word of truth. Lord God, we must carry our swords with us daily and they must be razor sharp sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray, God, that we would see the need to understand the Scriptures. God, I pray that we would see the need to memorize the Scriptures, to meditate on them daily, nightly. God, I pray that we would see the need not only for those around us, but for ourselves. Jesus, I pray that you would be here this morning in such a way, we know that you're here, but here in such a way that you would remove the scales from our eyes and that you would destroy strongholds, that you would destroy speculations and arguments and every lofty idea. Set us free with the truth. Show us which direction we are to go. Give us the courage to do what you've called us to do. I pray in Christ's name. All right, today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to move around a little bit, but we're going to be primarily in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And <clears throat> this coming series called The Verdict is going to uh, hopefully, for me even, and for you, because there's no better way to learn than to teach. So this coming series and these messages, they're going to be geared toward giving you the tools to do battle in the world, to do battle for the kingdom of God in the world. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not just talking about battle in, in, in other arenas. I'm talking about in your own soul, in your own mind. You see, half the battle is waged right there in your own mind, in your own heart. We need to understand the scriptures, and we need to believe the scriptures, and we need to rest on the scriptures because the enemy is prowling around like a lion. He's seeking to devour. He's roaring. He's lying. He's bringing accusations. He's accusing you, accusing you, accusing you. And the truth is, is that none of it's true, but we refuse to rest in the truth, but we get caught up in the lies and it becomes strongholds on our life and it, and it wraps us in on one side and on the other side and on the front side and we feel like we're closed in and we don't know where to go we don't know what to do but Jesus said this none of this is even true you've got invisible force field around you that you think is there but it's not even there it's not even true you're a child of God if you're a child of God if you have believed in Christ and if you had faith in God and if you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ you have been saved and set free the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in you and you are no longer slaves 
to the flesh, but you are slaves to righteousness. You are saints, children of God. You now have the ability to overcome sin and not live in it. Amen? You didn't have that ability before. You were going to fall. You were going to fail. But now, you have the ability to conquer sin. Amen? Man, that's just, they should just clapping or something. Because, not because of the sword thing. I mean, that was cool. But because of the word of God. You see, you see, brother, you have, the, you have the ability now, not because of your own wisdom, not because of your own strength, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the imparted righteousness that comes from him, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, you now have the ability to not live according to the flesh, but to live according to the spirit. You are more than conquerors through Christ. Amen? Let's get into the Word of God right here. Chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 1, but we're going to focus on 3 through 5. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They are not of the flesh, but have divine power, or in God's power would be a literal word for word. Our, for these weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but in God's power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to obey Christ? How many of us, we get in a discussion, and I wanna show you that there's two arenas that I'm talking about because many of you will, uh, will automatically think I'm talking of when you're sitting down debating with someone that's across from you, and this is fine, I, lo I love the debate. But let me tell you right now, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. But that's only half of the, the battlefield. I'm telling you right now, before you can win that debate, before you can do what needs to be done in that arena, you must win that war here in this arena. Because your flesh and Satan are always coming at you saying, this is how you should believe, this is how you should believe, this is how you should walk, this is how you do war, this is how you walk, this is where you get your comfort, this is where you get your identity, this is what you need, this is what you need to feel good, this is what you need to have your aha. And you need to be unlike Adam. You see, Adam coming, and there was lies coming at Adam. And the serpent was very crafty, and he deceived Eve, and he lied. But Adam was nowhere to be found to answer with the word of God, with the word of truth like Jesus Christ did when tempted in the desert. You see, Adam was faced with the same type of trial, the same type of temptation. He was, he was tested if he would protect his bride or not. And Satan came to Eve and he said, look at this. Ooh, did God really say? 
It, was, it started with a small question of the word. Satan didn't even come in and say, God's a fool. Didn't do that. He came in and said, did God really say that? Just a little question. You think that you can just come to church? I think I can just come to church and, and worship Jesus without knowing Jesus? Who is it that you worship? And who is it that you're lifting your hands to? Do we know him? Do we know? Do we get into the word? Do we know what he looks like? Do we know what he sounds like? Do we know how he moves and how he walks and how he breathes and how he talks? Do we know him? We need to know the word of God if we want to know him. You see, Jesus Christ stood against Satan in the exact same way. Instead of walking away and leaving his bride to hang, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. We must know the word of God, people of God. We must know how to handle the word. I want to show you that uh, this in Paul's life in this moment, the battleground is in two areas. We need to be able to answer and give an answer for our faith to those that would ask us, but we need to be able to preach the gospel to ourselves. So many times our own lives are riddled with depression and anxiety and and I'm speaking for me too. We're, we're riddled with rubbing our hands and oh, what was me? What have I done? What have I done? I can't believe this. Oh, what, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? We're worried to death. And all God is saying is all of that's a lie. If Christ has set you free, then you're free indeed. You see, we live, we live our lives due to speculations and it causes chaos in our lives. If we would live our lives according to the truth, it would be freedom. Can you with Paul look back and answer Satan and say, though I may walk according to the flesh, we do not wage war like the world wages war, but our weapons are in the power of God. You see, Paul was facing a little bit of context of these verses. Paul was facing some opposition here, and Paul had poured himself into this Corinthian church, and he had taught them, and he, had, he always had a struggle with the Corinthians. They were a bunch of idiots, I'm telling you, just like a lot of us. I mean, some of the exact same problems. You got, you got uh, lustful issues. You've got lying. You've got uh, adultery in the church. You've got false gospel coming in. You've got all of these things. You've got people... Uh, saying it's okay to do all of these things and nobody is saying no, 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 no this is not what the word of God says you got them saying well it feels good to me if it feels good to me it must be natural, right? God must have made me this way this is what I feel like doing if I feel like doing it then God must have made me this way and if God made me this way then he wouldn't tell me I couldn't be this way, right? wrong God made you for a purpose God made you for a reason it is your sinful nature and your lustful desires that carries you away and creates sin there is nothing in God that he would tempt you there is nothing in God that he would that he would cause you to sin it is our lust and our pride we need to get back to the word of God and we say I am this way God how would you desire for me to be we need to kill self daily so that Christ would be exalted and glorified
These people were coming at Paul and they were saying, look at this wee little man. Look at this, this, look at this guy who, he's very strong in his letters, but he has no presence. He doesn't even know how to talk. He doesn't know how to put out there a compelling argument. He doesn't know how to, how to, how to, how to speak wisely. Look at him, he's, he's, just, he's nothing. And Paul says, I myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. This is, this is a sarcastic sentence. He's saying, you think that I'm humble when I'm away, but, uh, but I mean bold when I'm away, but humble when I'm face to face. You think I'm just, I'm playing games here? I'm not, I'm not saying that all of my power is in the flesh because it's not. I understand I'm weak. So he's given a defense for the gospel. He's given a defense of what he says and how he moves about doing what God has called him to do. Let's look at point number one. The first thing I want to show you is, is that Paul's flesh is weak, but that doesn't stop the spirit at all. I was uh, studying this this week, and you know, just in the last several weeks, I've been thinking about Christianity and in life and how does it relate to me and, and how does it relate to the world? How does it, and that's what I wanna do. I wanna do over the next several weeks. I wanna show you that Christianity is not just some blind thing. You know, I hear people say, well, you just gotta believe. I'm telling you right now that Christianity, you do just need to believe and there is faith. You just need to have faith. But all of life is faith. Science is faith, evolution, nonsense is faith. You gotta believe that by faith. All of these things are by faith. You just gotta ask yourself, what you gonna put your faith in? And at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is the most reasonable answer for life. And if you want to live a fulfilled, peaceful, wonderful life, even when it's hell on earth, Jesus Christ is the only answer. He's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The first thing I want to show you here is that Paul's flesh is weak, but that doesn't stop the spirit at all. We find this wrapped up in the word meekness. And on down here in verse three, for he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. He acknowledges the fact that he is walking in the flesh. Now, what I don't, what he doesn't mean, and he can't mean by that, is that he moves and breathes and he, and he finds his significance and his identity in the flesh. He can't mean that because in Romans eight, he speaks directly against walking in the flesh. What he means here by this is that he is physically moving in the flesh. He is, he is weak in his flesh. Though I am standing here before you in my flesh, and I would say the same thing to you, though I am standing before you in, in the flesh, you see, I am a sinner. And Paul would say, I am the chief of sinners. You see, I am a sinner. And if I were to stand here in front of you in the power of my flesh and in the wisdom of my mind and say, now listen up, people, I've got a word for you and I never opened the Bible, then we would have a huge problem. You see, because the power of God is not revealed through the wisdom of men. So Paul acknowledges that he is here in the flesh, but what he is proclaiming, the way he is waging war, the things that he is doing by ministering is not of the flesh. And see, this would relate to me and to you because we also are called to minister for God. We are also walking in the flesh. You say, Brandon, I can't do that because I have sin in my life. Brandon, I can't do that because I don't talk well. Brandon, I can't do that because my personality just doesn't lend itself to that. Brandon, I can't do what God has called me to do because name it. Paul also would say, if I had the same mentality as you did, this Bible and these books that I wrote would have never gotten written. We do not wage war according to the flesh. 
We do not wage war according to the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. That word meekness in verse one, it has this idea. Meekness is not the same as weakness. Meekness, wrapped up in this word meekness, is power that's under control. You see, Paul realized that he had power that was, that was e e eternal. He had the power of God living inside of him. He had the power of the word of God, but he didn't go around beating people up with it. He didn't go around slaying people. He was there to speak the words of life. It was a controlled power and gentleness. See, he wasn't weak at all. You see, your flesh is no excuse to not work for God, and neither is mine. Your flesh is no excuse not to work for God. Now, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here because I've, I've, I've spoken to this before, but I wanna show you something. If you've got a pen, you wanna write down these verses, write down these verses right here. 2 Corinthians 12, six through 10. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through chapter two, verse five, and then Judges chapter seven. Not only is your flesh no excuse to not work for God, not only is your flesh no excuse to lay down in battle, but it may very be the exact opposite. Let me explain. I was talking to Wesley the other day, and we were talking about why do Christians seem to go through mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys? And I always thought, I need to grow up out of this because the people of God don't do this. The people of God exhibit the the the, the fruit of the spirit and all that's true the evidence the, this this tree will be known by the fruit that it bears the evidence of a, a life changed by christ and the indwelling of the holy spirit are the fruits of the spirit and so i always thought you know lord when am i going to get to a place where i don't struggle anymore when am i going to get to a place where i don't have any temptation anymore when am i going to get to a place where i can be mature all the time and not just some of the time lord when am i going to get to that place where i don't have to battle like this anymore what if I told you, and I'm going to take you to the scripture, and we're going to look at this. What if I told you that those mountaintops and valleys were intended by God to keep you humble and to sharpen your sword? Let it not be my word, but let it be the word of God. I want to show you something here in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, verses 6 through 10. Listen to what he says here. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, okay? He says, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. He said, I could boast if I wanted to. I could come, you know, Paul was a very, very smart man. Even Peter looked at him and says, who can understand him? He says, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Listen to this. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, you see, Paul had received the revelations. He had even gone up to the third heaven. Paul had been enlightened to the truths that we, man, we want to see. We're learning, but, but Paul has had this measure of grace, this measure of revelation that was exceedingly fantastic. Some say that he would rival Solomon in his wisdom. But Paul here says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. The Bible says that, that, this, that this thorn was placed there on purpose. 
You say, why, why do I always struggle? Why do I? Maybe God's got that there for a reason. Maybe God's got you in that struggle in order to bring you to where he wants you to be. God is intending this thing for his glory, not your, not your happiness. What is more important? I'm not happy. You know, Wesley was saying earlier, he said that, let me, let me get it right. It hit me. He said that you can't do anything to make God love you more or love you less. I agree with that. Jesus Christ has poured himself out on the cross, and that was greater love has no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friend. He poured it all out. It was love. He can't love you more. He can't love you less, no matter how good you think you are. Because you're, all of your righteousness are filthy rags before the Lord. Do you want to know the literal translation? All of your righteousness are filthy menstrual cloths before the Lord. You take it from there. Basically, all of your righteousness is disgusting to the Lord. It is only the righteousness of Christ that would allow us to come into the presence of the Lord and not be smashed. Only the righteousness of Christ. Okay? So we say, there's nothing you could do to make God love you more or love you less if you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ because he has imparted his righteousness to you and when he looks on you, he sees the righteousness of Christ and you are welcomed in. Okay? Now let me flip that. What could God do to make you love him less? What could God do to make you love him less? We are called to love with the love of Christ and Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. What would God have to do? What would you have to think? Even really it's just thinking. What would you have to think that God did that would turn you away and say, how could you? What would God have to do to make you love him less? Because you spit in his face and murdered him on the cross and he loved you more. He came and breathed his first for you and breathed his last for you. All the while loving you more and more. He loved you all that he could on the cross. But we're so quick to lay down and walk away. What could God do to make you love him less? We need to stand on the word of truth. You see, Paul is saying there's all kind of affliction. He keeps on three times I pleaded with the Lord. You know, say, you know, Paul, this was before Paul was a believer. Da, 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 no. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. You know, Paul is not a super apostle. He doesn't have an S on his chest either, brother. Paul struggled. You know, Paul had his times of, of weakness. And he said in this moment, God had even sent a messenger to, to whisper in his ear to keep Paul humble because God knew what Paul needed in his life. And if God didn't put that in his life, he would rise up and become prideful and pride goes before the fall. I was kind of joking earlier and I told uh, Laura and Josh, you know, we was talking about the same thing. I said, the danger is that you would be uncrushable. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Remember, 
uh, going back just a little ways, I told you that your flesh is no excuse for you not to do the works and wonders of God. It's not an excuse for you to not go and evangelize the lost and speak uh, to the lost and, and, to, and to set things straight. It's no excuse, and I would even say that it's, it's the exact opposite. God loves the glory in your weakness. God loves the glory in your silliness. When you think you've got it figured out, that's when he's going to crush you. So you remember, I don't have it figured out, that God has it figured out. If you're extremely comfortable and on the mountaintop, be ready for your fall. Because you're starting to do this. You know, you are like this. And it's funny because it happens over and over, but we're really dumb creatures. So we're like laying, beaten and bloody. And then the Lord's like, okay, you see your need for me. You know, we won't get on our knees. We won't get on our knees to pray, right? We're standing up. I don't need you, God. I don't need you. So he breaks our legs, and we're like in a puddle of blood. And we're like, okay, Lord, I need you. And it was the best thing in the world that the Lord could have done with us because we, we were very prideful and arrogant. And we wouldn't pray. We wouldn't seek him. We wouldn't trust him. We wouldn't pour our lives out for him. So he crushes us, and we're down here, and, you know, cry out, Lord. I need you. I thought I could do it, but I couldn't. I'm crushed. I'm falling. I'm broken. I need you. And the Lord's like, that's where I want to be. Praise the Lord. You lost a big toe. You know, Jacob's side was busted, but at this moment, he realizes I need you, so he helps you up. And, and, the, and the more he helps you, the more your chest starts to poke out. And you're like, yes, I'm all powerful. And it's like, the other leg goes down. But each time you become more and more aware of the fact that it's not you. You can't overcome. You can't overcome. He says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You can't speak? Well, great. You've, you've got a bad past? Great. You got struggles in your life? I know it sucks for you, but Great. Somebody looks at your life and they see the fact that you've overcome, they know it's not you. God gets the glory. The man standing on you before stage, before you on stage. It wasn't, mate, 15 years ago, less. I was literally, had been high on crystal meth five days in a row, stolen a car, trekked through the woods in all black, stolen a car, ripped it apart, looking for the drugs. I turned to run into the woods because it was getting daylight and I was afraid somebody might see me and my deeds in the darkness would be revealed in the light. So I turned to run into the woods and when I did, a barbed wire fence caught me and ripped my lip open and I hit on my back in the ditch, literally laying in the ditch. Five days, no shower, high on crystal meth, hallucinating because I had no sleep in five days, just stolen a car. You think this is an accident? There is nothing good in me, nothing, except for the imparted righteousness of Christ. I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing. If it wasn't for God, I would be a crackhead right now. You think you're different? You think you have some, some power? You think because you're smart? You think because you're beautiful? Are, are, are these things anything? Why are you beautiful? Why are you smart? Where did you get it? Did you wake up one day and say, I think I'll be beautiful today?
we may finish this sermon next week because I want to show you this because I'm telling you right now, I think some of us are sitting in the dirt. We're sitting on the ash heap and we're rubbing the ashes all over us and we're saying, woe is me, I'm no good, I'm no good. Great. You're in a perfect position. The Bible says, what is man that you would, that you would be mindful of him? He is but a worm. He is but a worm. God gets the glory when worms change eternity. We are potter. We are, we are clay in the potter's hands. That's what Paul says when he says, we are just earthen vessels, jars of clay, but these jars of clay are carrying around an enormous glory. And you know why the clay, why the jar must be made of clay? Because if the jar was any more glorious than that, then it would take away from the glorious prize that was inside. In 1 Corinthians, let's see, I'm going to move on to that one. Write down 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 2, 5 and go back and read that later. But I want to show you this in another place in, in the book of Judges. This is an awesome story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to re read one verse. The Lord, now Gideon had been commanded to go into battle, okay? He was going to go and uh, encamp and, and go, go to war. And he had 32,000 men. Gideon had 32,000 men. 32,000. He was going into war. And it says, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. You see, here's the picture that God had called Gideon to go to war. God had called Gideon to go to war. And Gideon's looking going, okay, got 32,000 men right here. Let's do this, baby. You know, let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. A mighty men, we got this. And then the Lord's like, hmm, yeah, he's stupid. Let's, let's, let's go back and do something. So the Lord's like, okay, okay, listen. I want you to give every one of them the opportunity to go home if he's scared and trembling. So they go back and they announce, listen, if any of you are scared and trembling don't want to go home, go ahead and leave now. 22,000 leave. 22,000 men hit the rope. That wasn't a seal, that was a dog, scalded dog. 22,000 men hit the road. Peace out. So Gideon's like, I got 10,000, okay, you know, I don't know. The Lord's like, nah, too many. 10,000 is too many. So I want you to do something, Gideon. I want you to, I want you to go down. Now the Lord's testing him. I want you to go down to the water and I want you to take them down and you can sit up there for a little while and I want you to watch how they drink water. If they get down and lap like a dog, then they got to go. And the ones who kneel down and take water by their hand, they can stay. That day he removed 9,700 more men. 300 was left. 32,000 men down to 10,000 down to 300 and the Lord says okay now we're ready you see man this is backwards 
They, you know, a lot of people refer to Jesus Christ and his kingdom as the upside down kingdom. It really is. As a matter, it's not really, and they would clarify. It's really that not Christ's kingdom is upside down. It's really actually that this world is upside down. Jesus Christ's world is, is the right one up, but this world is upside down. We think that the first will be first and the last will be last. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick you in the knee so I can be first. Hey, yeah. That'll be a good segue into the next point. How is this war fought? How is this war fought? You see, on, it says, we do not wage war as the world wages war. How does the world wage war? I've got to be right. I've got to be the best. I've got to be number one. I've got to make the most money. I don't care if it hurts you, 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 and you. I will take your money because then I'll have more. And I can do so because I'm bigger, better, faster, stronger, and smarter. Come at me and see what happens. Isn't this the world? Don't listen to any rap songs, but if you did, you would hear. Unless it's hip gospel hip-hop. I like some of that. Talking about money, sex, fame, cars, and fancy women. I got it all. <laughs> look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh, I heard this quote the other day, and I don't know who the Puritan author was, but it was some Puritan author, and he said, uh, there was a question asked to him. It said, why are the wicked rich and famous and all-powerful? Why do the rich have everything, success and money, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and nothing ever happens? I'm paraphrasing, of course. Why do the rich have all of these things? And the Puritan author said, the same reason that the farmer is fattening up the cow for the slaughter. You want money, you want fame, you go get it and you enjoy it here because it will be your reward. And on the day of judgment, the power of God's wrath will be on display as it comes crumbling down. But those that are first will be last and those that are last will be first and the meek shall inherit the earth and so we give away as much money as we can. We give away as much fame. We give away as much entitlement. We give away as much glory. We give and 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 we give until we give our lives. Have you given your life for Christ? Oh, yes, preacher. I walked down the aisle many years ago and I prayed for the Lord Jesus to save my life. I've never been the same since. Well, except in every way. Have you given the Lord your life? Not prayed some prayer. Not some 13-word sequence that says, I acknowledge my sin and I believe in my heart and I confess with the tongue. But have you given him your life? I was talking to you about that earlier. Have you given Jesus your life, young man? Have you given Jesus your life? Have you given Jesus your life? 
Every ounce of it, every thought, every desire, every plan, every dream, everything that you hold dear, does it belong to Jesus Christ? Because if it doesn't, then you're bound for hell. Because Jesus will not share his glory with anyone. Paul said, I consider all things lost compared to the riches knowing Christ. I want to come back next week and we're going to finish this up. And what I'm going to do is, you see, if you come in here and I teach you how to destroy strongholds and I teach you how to win arguments, then I may lead you into death if we do not understand what the war is about you see Paul says we do not wage war like the world wages war according to the flesh we do not wage war according to the flesh you see the world would say that it's all about me and I've got to win this argument and a lot of that bleeds over into Christianity it bleeds over into what's called apologetics, and we're going to be doing a little bit of apologetics in the next few weeks. And apologetics is giving an answer to the world's questions uh, through Scripture and through uh, Christian worldview. But before that can happen, and it be beneficial at all, then I need you to know why I am equipping you, why God is equipping us. I don't want to give you tools to go out there and dominate and lord it over people. You sinner, you fool. What are you thinking? You're dumb. You're wrong. You're stupid. Look at my philosophy. Look at my worldview. You're stupid. Look at mine. You see, the world has its ways of saying, I will have glory and I will dominate you and I will overpower you and I will take you and what's yours will be mine. But Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first. The greatest among you will be servants. So how do we reconcile this with Paul saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the fle of flesh and blood, are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. It says we destroy them. It's the same word that is used for complete annihilation. If you follow it back, you can see God completely wiping out the Canaanites. You say, why was God so mean in the Old Testament? You know, when he went into war and, he, and it, was, it was complete destruction, it was the ban. When he went into the war and he told the, the Israelites, he says, when you go into the land of Canaan, I want you to kill everything. I want you to kill men, kill the women, kill the children, and kill all of their animals. Why is God, what does this mean? It means there, there can no longer be any worldly thing that is not of God that exists within your soul. It all must go. 
How many of you, how many of us walk around half the time, half in the world and half in Jesus? We chase after the things of the world and we chase after emptiness and then we raise our hands to God and we say, why am I so empty? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? Josh, can you come up here and help me, please? Patrick, come up here and help me. Derek, come up here and help me, please. Stand right here. We do not wage war as the world wages war. We do not seek our own glory. We do not seek our own fame. We do not seek our own rightness, even if we're right. We do not go into battle looking to make a name for ourselves and destroy these things because I've got wisdom. You see, that's why, coming all the way back, let's tie the whole thing together. That's why you fall, child of God, is because you start to think, I've got this power, I've got this wisdom, I've got this knowledge of Christ, and it's, and it's mine. I'm greater than all the other preachers and teachers. I, I go into an argument and I win, and so you fall on your face because God will have none of it. So how do we go to war and destroy strongholds and we don't wage war as the world wages war? Our weapons are not carnal. They're not fleshly weapons, but they are in the power of God. Dunatas tothias. They're in the power of God. It's because we will the sword, but it is God who is doing the work. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So as we wage war, I want you to do something. I want you to go on the left side of Derek, and I want you to go on the right side of Derek. Now I want you to wrap your arms around Derek like you're binding him in a stronghold, not like you love him. Put your arms around his throat. Yeah. Patrick, you grab his wrists. Grab his other wrists. Grab his throat. In a, in a, he's big. He's tough. Choke him a little. <laughs> he said, no, nah, he's a big man. I want to show you something. And the Lord just showed me this this morning. It may be for nobody else but me. A lot of the time we see these are demons. These are false ideas, speculations. And this guy over here, he's whispering in his ear, whispering in his ear. Don't kiss his ear, whispering in his ear. He's whispering in his ears lies and false truths, false doctrines. You're good enough without Jesus. You're no good with Jesus. You can never be anything. You can never win. And this man is in a stronghold right now. You know what happens to this man right here? He starts to believe that, that demon. He starts to be bound by this demon. And so he starts to agree with these demons. And he says, no, you're right, I'm no good. Whisper in his ear, Patrick. He says, yes, shake your head there, yes. Yes, you're right, I'm no good, I'm no good. You see, our, our fight, Jesus is here right now. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. You see, many of us, even us Christians, we come in and we hear him agreeing with the demon and so we pull off and we get here. He 
because I'm right and he's wrong. And you're going to pay and I'm going to make you pay for what you've said. But what we fail to realize is our, we don't wage war as the world wages war with fleshly, by fleshly means. Our enemy is not flesh and blood, but our enemy is the principalities. Paul says that our weapons are in the power of God to destroy strongholds. So we know the word of God and we come in and we drop your knees. We're not against this flesh and blood, but we come in and we are destroying strongholds with the word of God. We're coming alongside and I don't have to be right. I'm trying to set this man free through the power of Christ, through the power of the gospel. Too many of us are trying to destroy each other with the gospel. Shame on us and shame on me. One that we didn't see the need to be used by God to set this man free. You think you won't stand before God with blood on your hands? If God says, go into the world to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, because they are bound, they are bound by Satan's yoke. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now then, why will you not go? And how many of you have these demons all over you right now? And what I've just said to you is that the truth, the truth, John chapter 8, the truth will set you free. You see, the truth is, you guys can go, I appreciate it. The truth of the matter is, is that if you're in Christ, you're free. Galatians chapter 5, for, freedom, for freedom's sake, Christ came to set you free. Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite, no, my favorite entire scriptures. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, as weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sin. In the likeness of sinful flesh, he destroyed the sin and the flesh. We have the same sword. We go in behind enemy lines and we, we befriend those who have the wrong ideas. What do you think they do when they go to China? There's no Christians that they bump into. But they befriend those who are of another mind. It's not, the, it's not those Chinese people that are the enemy. It's the lies and then it's the deceit. It's the spirit of anxiety. It's the spirit of false witness. It's the spirit of the age that has blinded them and they cannot see. So we go in behind enemy lines and we make relationships. And because we love them, not because we need to be right, not because we need to prove them wrong, but because we love them. Do you love those around you? Do you want to see? Do you enter into relationships with this in mind? Do you preach this gospel to yourself? Do you live in defeat though you are victorious? Do you believe the lies of Satan and therefore walk around downcast? Or do you believe the truth of God and therefore are set free to walk and to move and to give and to live and to love?
have you given your life to Christ? Man, I'm not even talking about some prayer. I'm talking about your life in every aspect of it. You say, I can't. I got to hold on to this. And I got to hold on to this. And what about this? Well, then you're not ready. Because when you see Jesus, everything else is but rubbish. As we all stand to our feet, I ask you the question this morning. Have you seen Jesus? Not have you heard a good, silly sermon. Not have you heard some good picking and singing on guitars. Have you seen Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And if the, if the Son has set you free, then you're free indeed, and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you given him your life? Have you withheld anything from him? The altar is open, and I will be here on my knees. And these, these coming sermons, these coming series, they are not my own. The Lord has spoken. And I want you, I don't care what you got to be, come hell or high water, I want you here. Because the Word of God is important. Because the Word of God is not just important. It is necessary for you to know the truth so that you can live in freedom. So that you can provide the truth that will set others free. So that you can provide the weaponry needed to overcome the enemy and grow in the kingdom. I want you to message me on Facebook and I want you to say, Brother, what scripture do I need to be reading to be prepared for next week? I want you to push me because I'm weak and my flesh wants to lay down and sleep sometimes. But the Spirit of God is saying, get up and get in my word. I want you to push me. Ask me about theology classes. Ask me about doctrine classes. Don't you want to know? Don't you love the word of God? Are you spending your time in the Word? Am I spending my time in the Word? Am I on my knees praying? Acts chapter 6, you say, what are the weapons? Acts chapter 6, when he appointed the deacons to do all the serving in the church, he said, because we cannot neglect the Word of God to serve tables. It says, therefore, they gave themselves, they dedicated themselves to the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the Word of God. Children of God, there are two things that you cannot afford to neglect. And that is your prayer life on your knees and your study in the Word of God, your meditation on the Word of God, your joy in the Word of God. The Word of God is the power of salvation. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. You gotta have it. I will be on my knees at this altar. Will you join me? And if there's any out there that if you have not given your life to Jesus, and you come and you give it today because today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. You may die on your way home today. It happens all the time. And you say, preach, you're trying to scare them. Dang right. Don't perish from this life without knowing life. His name is Jesus. Come.